What's going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells. It's a family meetup. It's the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. And guys, can you believe it or not? I know that football never ends. We still always have content coming out on the site. But when it comes to the live sports action, we got hoops. We got baseball coming up very, very soon. It's going to be great. And of course, Selzy boys got NASCAR rolling as well. What's going on, Sells? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, I'm like the weather out here, a little bit under, a little cold. Uh, it's 14 below zero right now out here in Nebraska. So that's lovely. Uh, really helping the cold get get out of my system. So, uh, But I'll be good for a race in wet southern Los, <laughs> wet Los Angeles this, this weekend. We got rain in L.A., so NASCAR is going to have to adjust some stuff. So that'll be That'll be fun. But uh, thanks to everybody that read all of the stuff for Daytona. Uh, the playbook did very, very well. The core plays did very well. The podcast was the most listened to NASCAR podcast we've ever put out. Um, That's so awesome. thanks for that. That's great. No, look, man, and you you always come on our show on Better Sports Network on the playbook. So so we always appreciate having you on. You make appearances on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio with Howard Bender. So it's that's why sells. That's why you win all the awards that you win. And you're a multi-time champ because of the hard work that you and Dan Malin done. What about you, Ryan Hallam? How you doing? Doing all right. Just returned from lovely Las Vegas and the FSGA conference. <clears throat> The Derms did not stay in Vegas, as I am also under the weather with cells. Man, so we're having you guys a, are sick. Crazy. A, I didn't even go to Vegas. I just yeah. <laughs> so. But I'm I'm good, man. You know, baseball's starting to jazz up, uh, and hoops and, and hockey are starting to wind down. So it's uh it's almost time for baseball to have center stage. Yeah, very excited about that. We're gonna talk about a little bit of baseball here because I was they're gonna ruin with Bailey Sports running out of money and blackouts, but that's besides the, the point. Listen, don't take a turn to negative town, Selzy, okay? <laughs> let's let's keep it positive here. We got baseball coming up. I'm very excited. I, you know, I, I haven't been to a baseball <laughs> game in a few years because of the pandemic. I miss it, man. There's nothing like going to a baseball game. And I'll say this. Baseball probably when it comes to fantasy, when it comes to sports coverage, is my third favorite sport behind basketball and football. But it's just there's nothing like going to a baseball game. I feel very authentic at a baseball game. I feel like, wow, this is what I'm doing now. Somebody else was doing in 1898, and it's awesome. And that's where baseball, America's pastime, really comes in. A lot of rule changes are coming into effect, too, so that'll make things interesting. Bigger bases, the pitch clock, the banning of the shift. Matt Sells has an article about some of the players who could benefit from that now that there will be no more shifts in the field alignment. So it's just going to be a very interesting season, and ultimately, will it make baseball better? I mean, what do you guys think about this? Do you think that these rules will make baseball more better and attract an even bigger audience in the sport? Well, let's put it this way. In the minor league test runs of these rules, because they used it first in the Atlantic League, which is an independent league, but baseball uses it as a guinea pig for rules changes. Can I jump in for a second? I yes. used to shadow the broadcaster of the Long Island Ducks. Quack, quack, Carl Heck Everett. Yeah, man. Long I Rose Jr. I want some of that gear, man. They got some sweet gear. Um, by the way, I have a bucket list to try to collect one piece of gear from every minor league team. Um, and I'm going to start <laughs> with the uh, New Hampshire or the Burlington Sock Puppets is huh. what I'm starting with. 
Um, but anyway, that's my Long Island Ducks gear. I'm showing Matt Sells a, a bobble. One, one of the longest running broadcasters ever in the history of sports, a guy by the name of Bob Wolf. I worked with him my first internship at News 12 Long Island. And at the time, he was 86, lived till he was 96. But this bobblehead that I found as I've been collecting sports broadcaster bobbleheads, this is him at the Long Island Ducks game. So I nice. just figured that you're looking for this for the unique gear. That's my Long Island Ducks gear right there for you. Doesn't get much more unique than that. Um, so in the, in the you know they tested these in the minor leagues first in the independent leagues and then they moved it up through the uh, series and. Starting with the pitch clock, it really shaved a lot of time off the games. It shaved, in some cases, 30 minutes off the average time of games. It shaved no less than 15 minutes off of the upper minors game. So that's not bad, right? If you're going to bring a baseball game under three hours, I think that's great. And here's the best part. It didn't actionably change any of the stats, right? Rushing the pitchers didn't change the product on the field. It just made the game shorter so <clears throat> so that's pretty good uh the banning of the shift i think it'll really help in terms of um getting more action getting more consecutive hits happening not so much the three true outcomes of strikeout walk and home run um and um yeah the bigger bases should be they did it mainly for safety but i do expect some additional um steals the one that nobody's talking about is the pickoff limitation that's what I was going to bring up. I think it's stupid, to be honest. Go ahead. You can I, <clears throat> why is it stupid, Ryan? Because if you throw over twice, if you throw over a third time, if you don't get him, he gets the, the base. It's like it's <laughs> it just takes away everything from the like, OK, I get you don't want to throw over 100 times. I'm all about that. But to just award the base to the guy. Right. It's just it's like you're not even stealing a base. It's like it's like little league kind of to me. And I just think I don't know what the solution is. I don't really feel like anyone was really stealing that many bases where anyone was throwing over five, six times anymore. Uh, I, I just feel like it's a it's a Bush League kind of rule. Uh, I get the point behind it. I understand in the minors it didn't really. But like, <clears throat> I guess the strategy in a way where like if you have a good pickoff move, OK, the guy's going to feel a little more you know, leeway with that third throw is like, oh, well, he, he's, he's not going to throw the third time because then I get the base. So he's going to take a little bit bigger lead. So if you have a good move, hey, you probably you might have a better chance of picking the guy up. But I don't know. It just seems that seems I yeah, like. I that, would, that was one of the two I didn't like. Yeah, I would take a, a reasonably short lead on the first two pickoff attempts and then I just go full sale for it. Because if he throws over, you got a shot to steal. If he doesn't, because he's afraid that if he misses, you get the base anyway, then you get a bonus lead. <clears throat> I think it just shifts the whole strategy in favor of the base runner and not keeps it even between the pitcher and first base. So I get that they did it to speed it up, but like how many pickoff attempts are we really seeing per game that it's adding quantitative time to a baseball game? Like nobody steals bases anymore. Like, guys stepping out of the box, which, by the way, batters have to be in the box within eight, I think, eight seconds left on the pitch clock. Uh, if they're not, then the pitcher gets an automatic strike call. Um, Man, this is a lot to keep in touch with. I know. I don't like all game. this. Oh, well, this happens. You automatically. Yeah, I mean, the first few weeks of the season is going to be rough. And then I think people will get the hang of it. But, like, 
It's very entertaining when the first question Juan Soto is asked in spring training is, do you have time to do your Soto shuffle if you have to be in the box with eight seconds left? And he goes, I'm going to have to practice it to get it a little faster, but I think I can do it. Jeez. You're going you're gonna to have a game be won or lost because the guy's out of the box, gets the strike, and it's a called third strike. Could you imagine? It's, oh, dude, it's going to happen, and it's going to be – if it happens, there's going to be a volcano ready to yes. erupt in the sport. I also, yep. I also didn't like that they have permanently put this guy in second in extra innings. Oh, the ghost runner and all that? Yeah, that's not my favorite either. But, I mean, none of these. It's only in the regular season. Yeah, none of these are going to make me stop watching the game. But those are that and the the other. uh, You're like cutting the the bush to, like, get all, like, the extra leaves and the weeds off already. I feel like you could get rid of the ghost runner now because you've already cut down on other things and a good amount of other things. Yeah, also – you can't have a position player pitch unless it's like the ninth inning and you're down by 10 runs or something like, uh, uh well, I don't know. let me ask you this. What if there is somebody like a first baseman who has kind of been working on throwing a little bit, they can't like switch them out. I think they have to be declared as a two way player by some point in spring oh, training. Good. Now what about the, uh, who's the guy from the reds that I can't think of his name. Oh, who used to be on the reds. He's oh, now, he not, yeah. um, He's now yeah. with the Angels, right? Yeah, right. That's right, because both the guys are on the same team now, yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, guy used to be the outfielder and the the, the pitcher. Tommy – no, I almost said Tommy Pham. <laughs> He's not any good anyway. It doesn't really matter. But um, my, my only other comment – Oh, Rick and Keel. Well, no. But <laughs> well, no. This guy – I mean, yes, but this guy still plays. My only other comment on the shift is – I'm all for banning the shift. My only problem with it is it should have just worked itself out if these guys would have stopped being stubborn asses and actually just gone the other way. So don't tell me you can't. You're a professional baseball hitter. Yeah, these are the and best. These are the best hitters. You're they right. Just these are the best hitters in the freaking world. This is the top one percent. They can't learn to you know, place a ball. They can't. They you didn't know want what's to. Interesting. What? Kyle Schwarber was actually way better in. Um, against the shift than in non-shift situations last year. His batting average was higher. His uh, his Woba was higher. His slugging was higher against the shift than it was against non-shift situations. Wow, so are you, say, are you saying not to draft him then? <laughs> no, I mean, you're drafting Kyle Schwarber to hit 35 four bombs a year, right? Like, you're not drafting Schwarber for batting average or steals or – Whatever. You're Are you just guys drafting... cool with that, by the way? Like, were you guys drafting, like, the Adam Dunn's of the world that will hit you, like, 45, 50 bombs, but then he'll hit you, like, 210? Depends on the rest of the roster, but now right. everyone hits 230, so it's not as, you know, quite the suck it used to be. Right. Exactly. Like, the I, I heard of Tony Gwinstead the other day. That was mind-boggling. He could have gone zero for his last 1,199 at-bats and still been a 300 hitter in his career. Damn. Good at baseball. Very good at hitting a baseball. Yes. Like, would put it through the five-and-a-half hole every single time. That's unbelievable. Yeah. that's When you think about stats like that, it's it just shows, like, man – Growing up, these players, we didn't think about all this stuff, though. Also, a like, growing up, up, it was just the baseball players. Like, yeah. you know, 
I wasn't thinking about the rules. I was thinking about Jay Buter, you know? Ooh. I would see the Mariners were like my second team because Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite of all time. I mean, if you're a 90s kid, you were yeah. from the age of, I want to say, five years old to, I want to say, at least 14, 15. Ken Griffey Jr. was your everything. He was the cool kid on the block. Everyone oh, wanted to be Ken Griffey Jr. He made wearing a backwards cap in. And it's something I still do to this day. And he's awesome. Great fielder, great hitter. He was everything. And I also really hated the Yankees as a Mets fan. So I would go to Yankee Stadium with my dad and start cheering on the Mariners when Griffey was there. Crazy. Well, that, I mean, Griffey Jr. hated the Yankees too. Yes, he said he would never, ever go to the Yankees. Because what? The way they treated, treated his, his dad. Yeah. He yeah. said that's the one team he would, no matter what, never, ever go to. So mm -hmm. he said, if they were the last team on earth, I would choose not to play baseball. Yeah. I, yeah, he did say that. Wow. He did, yeah. And that MLB network special. I like those actually. Yeah. I like those like old specials. They got them running all the time. It just makes me wonder like times like these, you now have like spring training ready to roll. Why don't they have a bunch of live shows? <clears throat> like, I'm sorry, but when I turn my expensive cable package on and I go to MLB network, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good 1977 All-Star game. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, they're not – it's always they're replaying stuff from the vault. Well, they have live shows during the day, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they have a couple. They have a couple. Yeah. Nothing and then really spring tight. training games start, what, today? I think today. They started, yeah. Yeah. So, so. interesting time. And again, FantasyAlarm.com, for those that are listening to us, a free fantasy baseball draft guide free this is not a joke this is not a test you just sign up for your free account and then you get your draft guide the articles are living different concepts coming out for you all to read cells has that article on players that are going to benefit from the banning of the shift things are changing this year we got to adjust with the times that's the thing that's just how it works in sports we can complain we can whine all we want but this is the animal that we're dealing with and we're going to have to go and conquer because that's what we do together as a family. I feel like Tony Soprano, together as a family. Ryan, I want to bring you in to something Sells and I started talking about last week that we had to unfortunately abruptly end. But it was a good part one. And that was I saw Matt Sells on Facebook. And I don't know if he was Facebook farming or something like that. But he <laughs> decided to write a stat of – or not a stat, but a comment saying – I am not debating this anymore with anyone. I saw that. LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. <clears throat> Clearly, he's looking for people to debate him on this. And luckily, he's Facebook friends with somebody who, despite Michael Jordan causing him an extreme amount of pain, eliminating his Knicks from the playoffs year after year in the 90s, I still respect Michael Jordan. You still see that I have his autograph right up there. And guess what, Ryan? I am still on the Michael Jordan Better than LeBron James. I think he's a better player. I think he's a more complete player. Sells can throw all his little schwabby stats at me. It doesn't matter, Ryan. Seen both play. Watched a ton of games, thousands of games of them both. I still got Jordan. Where do you stand on this whole debate? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to fall on your side of it. Um, I, w <clears throat> I will admit I'm not as as big of an NBA fan now as I was previously and of course when when jordan played i won't say i saw him from the beginning but it was pretty close to the beginning 
uh, when I started paying attention to him. And to me, it was just, I don't know, he's, he was just a different animal. Uh, he just refused to lose. Uh, he had a mindset like no one else. Uh, it, it, it's also, to me, it's a different game. It, it's really hard to compare. Uh, you can say LeBron was a better passer. I probably can't argue with you. You can maybe say LeBron was a better rebounder. I, I, I you know, Jordan was just, and, and I invite you all to watch the documentary, which I'm sure Matt Sells has, which was fantastic. It just really gave you an insight into who he was. Like, so one of my favorites, and this stuck out to me, was like, I don't remember, there was a playoffs at some point, and they were going to play uh, whoever George Carl was coaching, probably the Sonics at the time. The Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> yeah. And he went to dinner, and George Carl didn't say hello to him. And he's like, well, now I have to go drop 55 points on him. And he went and did it the next day. He's like, oh, I took the – and you've seen the meme. Oh, I've taken that personally. Like, it just – he was just driven in a way that I, I don't know that anyone else is or was. I, I give LeBron a lot of credit. He's a fantastic player. He's, he's Love him. You know, he's handled himself wonderfully. He gets a lot of crap for opening his mouth, which I think he should, while Jordan didn't because Republicans bought sneakers and things like that. But – uh. When it just comes to just Jordan was just an assassin. And uh, I, I just think on the basketball court, it didn't matter. He's he'll he'll always be the best to me. Uh, and I don't know. I know Matt has a lot of good quotes. I saw that, too. It's hard to argue with, but uh, I'll, I'll still go with Jordan forever on this one. I just think it comes <laughs> down to pure stats like LeBron is a better all around player than Jordan. He just is. And the thing that gets hung on LeBron's neck that isn't hung on Jordan's is that LeBron is the only player ever expected to win rings by himself while nobody else ever gets dinged for having all-star stud players around him. People bring up Kobe in the debate of greatest of all time. Kobe couldn't win a ring without Shaq or Powell. But nobody brings that up. Like, why is LeBron... Yes, did he change teams? Sure, that's because his ownership sucked. His ownership literally could not surround him with a winning team. So he went somewhere that could. He never had a good number two in his first stint in Cleveland. No. Never. I mean, yeah, right? he, he, you're thinking about guys like Zendrunas Ilgowskis, Shaq, who was aged at the time. Right, that's what I'm you're saying. You're talking about Mo Williams. It's like, yeah, I... That I can't disagree with. That's what I'm saying. He went, yes. Did he create a super team in Miami? Sure. Okay. Sure, but he did. Like, he did. I'm not saying he didn't. But was his the first super team? No. The Celtics the did second. it before him. Others did it naturally by drafting players that didn't suck, right? So the that's Celtics, not a super team. That's a homegrown team. That's it's still a super team. team. No, no, a super team is when you create it. It's not home. Like the Warriors, the Warriors, before they got Durant, they weren't a super team. When they got Durant, they became a super team. All That's those guys a weird were definition pro. of a super team. But it, to me, it's not even about championships and you know losing and getting swept by my Spurs when he was very young and all that. It's just, it's just Jordan just, I, and like I said, I, I it's not about stats. It's not about championships. I mean, although he never lost, you know, the finals, um, it's he was just different. Like you just, he was not going to lose, 
And you just can't say that about LeBron. I mean, sure, he lost he lost to the Pistons and all that, sure, you know, in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, but like God damn, he was he was just a different different guy and that's where i don't know that we'll we'll ever see again I, I as much as i love lebron james one of the things i've been thinking about while this debate has been going on and it's by the way it's unfortunate we should be just celebrating lebron james for passing yeah. Kareem abdul jabbar for the nba's most sacred record but no because new generation sports fans have to know who's number one there's one at the mountaintop and that's it we can't have a plateau of a good 10 to 15 players who are just these guys were awesome. They were generational talents. There has to be that gratification of number one. It ruins the celebration that we should be having. That LeBron James, who, by the way, could looks like he could still play another 10 years. He won't, but he looks like he could still play another decade. And it's become this because of the LeBron Jordan thing. It's a great debate. I always have wondered, and we can even end it on this, guys, just because this isn't really talked about. Michael Jordan made players better. Yes, he had his dramatic instances with players, the Steve Kerr fight and everything like that. We all know about it. He made players better. I don't know if LeBron James has that same effect as Michael Jordan did. He made Scottie Pippen into the fierce forward that he was. He's very influential. Horace Grant, same thing. They all butted off of him. And even guys like John Paxson, became more known and became more set in their role. Steve Kerr, I mean, any of these NBA players can hit threes, but Michael Jordan, with the way he played, I always felt made them better. I just don't know if LeBron has that effect. So here's my, I'm not necessarily debating that, but here's my counterpoint to that. Could it be that it was the same group together for a bunch of years? They had Phil Jackson together. They had a group together that learned the system and gelled and knew where each other was going to, that's true, but that first calf stint for LeBron, which was about, I believe, an eight-year stint, maybe even a nine-year stint, you know, he, no one ever butted from him. That was the thing. All these guys were nobodies. These guys were – the guys that weren't rookies that were drafted teams, they were pretty much nobodies, cast-offs on teams. Of Bulls weren't attracting anybody, and they start meshing with Michael Jordan, and I felt like all of these guys – had a certain skill set that got identified. Whereas that first stint in Cleveland for LeBron, I never felt like he elevated any of his team. Well, okay, but again, does that come down to coaching and GMs knowing what to look for, that this is where we're weak, this is the guy that has that specific skill set? They made really sells. They made really, back then, the Bulls, one trade. It ended up being a good trade, but I don't think it was a trade that was – transcendent and it changed the whole complexion immediately they traded charles oakley to the knicks for bill cartwright they needed a center the knicks had patrick ewing and bill cartwright you know the knicks needed a power forward it was a perfect right. marriage and that's that's really the only major adjustment from 85 84 to 93 that they really made right i know but it's it's kind of like you know debating you know, let's take the Patriots in football, right? Bill Belichick is a master of finding the skill set he needs and the guy that has that skill set and drafting them. They generally, aside from a couple years ago, don't make big free agent signings. They don't generally make huge trades. Yes, they made the Randy Moss move, right? But usually it's this guy isn't fitting our scheme. I'm going to dump him off, and I'm going to take somebody you've never heard of that's now going to become a star 
here, right? Wes Welker fit the need they needed, and he executed it to perfection, and now because of his playoff run is being debated as a Hall of Famer, which he's not, right? Were the Bulls better at drafting guys and signing guys for what they needed than the sorry ownership of the Cavs, which, by the way, are still not good. They still have – they go for names and just hope it gels, right? It doesn't – It they've never been able to figure out how to pair a guy with LeBron that can actually help him aside from Kevin Love, who was good when he was paired with LeBron. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not – discrediting your argument i'm just saying is it more so like they found guys that shielded jordan's weaknesses and executed it to a to a t compared to oh let's just go get all these names like shaq will be cool they'll sell tickets even though he's 85 and can't play anymore and he's got bad knees and weighs 355 pounds right like it's a good debate, and it is, and it's one that will constantly be debated, but it shouldn't take away that both of these players right. are generational talents. I'm not saying Jordan I know you're not. sucks. I'm saying they're like 1A and 1B. Of course. Absolutely. And Just my 1A is different also, than your 1A. Also, what it comes down to is different positions as well. That, that's the bottom line. And you can argue LeBron I mean, yeah. a point guard. You, you could argue, by the way, LeBron James, okay, well, he's a point guard for part of his career. Well, point and shooting guard are very different positions, and they're very different roles. That's why I when say, debate, let LeBron and Kobe, it's hard to debate. But let's get yeah. to the family table here, guys. Ryan, lead us off, my man. You're the best looking of the three of us. We all know it. You're the youngest looking of the three of us. I'm not oldest of the three of us by a mile. Hey, man, I said youngest looking. I'm sitting here with an 87-year-old hairline, all right? So hey, mine's coming soon. It's, it's ooh, okay, good. yours is going from the back up. Mine's going from yeah. the front to the back. So, yes. <laughs> Cell's got his cut. He's looking all right over there. Cell's haircut, I noticed this last week. Cell's, I think that might have been your best haircut ever since he started. I came back from when I before I went to Vegas it was everywhere and I came oh, yeah, back like damn I got, said dude Ryan I said the same thing last week I'm like wow cells like what a cut there you go <laughs> uh, uh, uh well, well I'm forced to take this in a terrible direction that I always do uh so next week and seeing I am the oldest of the group and I'm now 45 it's colonoscopy time for me uh, next Wednesday, so next Tuesday will be very crappy for me. Time to take a drink. By the way. <laughs> uh, so if you are of my advanced age, get yourself checked out for God's sakes. It's okay. It's not going to be fun, but it's good. Uh, I know colon cancer is very treatable. A girl I actually dated when high school has like stage three colon cancer. She found at a colonoscopy. So these kinds of things are important. I know we laugh and talk about sports, but you know. You don't have to do it like you guys in your 30s. Don't worry about it. But if you're, you know, up there, 45 like me, time to get yourself checked out for the easy stuff. Don't know. Find out later, man. It's easy, better to find out soon than find out late. You know what, Ryan? You're right. And I'll be real with you. After you talked about dry January, it actually started to get me thinking a little bit. And I know I kind of at the time it was joking with you over text like, you know, uh, fridge, like fridge friendly Fridge freeze February or whatever I called it to you where I wasn't because my weakness because my weight has always been a thing. It's a bit I've been a yo-yo my entire life. Very up and down. Not healthy. 
you need balance in your life. Mr. Miyagi used to say that in Karate Kid. But when it comes to what you did for dry January, Ryan, I've been starting to think about, you know, the future, the health and how, you know, you got to get yourself checked out. And I haven't I haven't had a physical in like a probably two years now. And I'm with you, man. It's, it's very important. I'm forcing myself to do it. And the good thing is, look, this is the doctor. They're not here to reprimand you or anything. They're here to help you. They're here to tell you and give you direction, give you guidance. Kind of like us here, your family members here at Fantasy Alarm. That's the thing. The decision's yours at the end of the day. We can right. provide as much guidance and as much statistical analysis behind it as possible. But you're making the decision. It's kind of like that in life, too, when it comes to this stuff, Ryan. So I'm wishing you the best. Just want to say, my wife also was like, uh, she's like, oh, the other day, speaking of dry January, she's like, oh, I'm thinking about going dry for March. I'm like, come on now. I, we just did this. We're not just going to. Well, you don't have to. Do it another month. And why does that have to be another 30 why do you have month? Why can't she no, do it by herself? I don't have to. No, I don't have to. She just brought it up. But I was like, God damn, we just did this. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had a drink since the Super Bowl. So I'm like, I can't say that. February. That was in February. So. Yeah, but it was the beginning of February. Dude, it was like. Less than two weeks ago. What are you talking about? Every step of a thousand miles starts with one step, man. <laughs> Some damn Confucius for you. I will not be doing dry march. Also, by the way, if your doctor does reprimand you, it's okay to go find the new one that tells you the same information, but in a nicer tone. Yeah, that's bedside manner is so like important. I did that with dentists. I love my, like, I love my I've doctor. gotten the same results. Like I've gotten told the same things from four different dentists. But the last one did it so non-judgmentally that it I keep going back to them. It gives you comfort. Yeah, because I'm like, look, you told me what I needed to know. You weren't like, hey, man, you got to brush twice a day or you're going to die early. And it's like, that's a threat that doesn't work for me. Like, just say, hey, when things you got to do it at least once a day. Right. You know, right. same information said in a different way. I'm going to go next when it comes to the family table here, and I'm going to just bring to the count of the season-long fantasy basketball audience. I see you in Discord. Continue asking and everything like that. And just know, everybody out there, that you're never bothering me. I answer a lot of questions. I love doing it. You're never bothering me. Some days, though, when you got a lot of work, and that's with any of us, you know, you have to prioritize a little bit there, but don't you ever think that you're bothering me by asking a question. We got fantasy basketball playoffs coming up very, very soon. Ryan's been in a league. He's trying to hang on to first place in his league. I'm helping him out. Happy to help all of you out. Don't take that foot off the gas pedal. And by the way, I just want to say this. This is where you need to be looking at the news because some of these teams that are going to be well positioned, they're going to start resting their players. And unfortunately, these players are still going to be active in your fantasy basketball playoffs. Meaning, if you're seeing the resting and you have to all of a sudden drop a B-list player because they're not playing every other game, you got to do it. It's not about how your roster looks when you win the championship. It's about winning the championship. And if that means you're dropping your first five-round picks or whatever because all of a sudden they're being rested to the playoffs or they're going to be played every third game, you do it to pick up the Malachi Branhams of the world who are on teams that want to do nothing but suck and play their rookies so that they can get the reps. So it's not about how your team looks. It's about winning the championship. And when you're looking at stats, just like you'll see in my content in the waiver wire articles, instead of looking every two weeks, it's going to start being week by week. 
because this is the world we live in in the NBA. Players rest, and they don't need a reason why. They can make one up. So just be ready. You never know when your star player is going to start resting. And don't be afraid, even finals week, to drop that player if you know in advance that they're not playing. Yeah. I, uh, same thing went for me a couple of years ago in fantasy football um, or and fantasy baseball. Made it to the championship. bunch of my dudes were in, you know, especially in football where teams where they were resting, dropped them. It didn't matter that they were the first three-round picks. They weren't playing. So – have to do what you got to do to win the championship. Um, for mine, I'm actually going to plug some of my stuff. Um, the NASCAR podcast is moving to Saturdays. Wow. Okay. We're still having it. It's being done Saturday afternoon, immediately following cup practice and qualifying. Um, Dan Malin and myself will break down the slate as we see it following practice and qualifying. Um, and it'll be... You know, it'll go hand in hand with the playbook. So I'm not going to break down as many plays in the podcast as we typically do. You'll read the playbook for those. But we'll kind of break down strategy, uh, how we read the slate. You know, can you live in the mid-tier? Do you have to go boom or bust? Um, What kind of tournament selection do you want to play based on how the slate breaks down, based on qualifying and pricing and uh, whatnot? So please keep listening to it. Just because it's not out on Wednesdays doesn't mean we're not doing it. It's coming out on Saturdays, except for plate tracks, where it probably will come out on Wednesdays because practice and qualifying doesn't matter for plate tracks, as we all saw at Daytona. Um, and just keep reading draft guide stuff, right? The shift band article just came out. Uh, MLB rule changes came out. I'll have another update to the prospect report probably in the next week or so, uh, you know, prospect rankings. Um, and then we got player debates, mock drafts coming out. So just keep, you know, Reading along with that, and those of you, I know F1 testing is happening uh, as we record, actually. Uh, for those of you that still want to play F1 DFS, you can ask me questions in the Discord. No, I will not have playbooks this year. Um, it it just didn't uh, take off. Also, timing is suspect at best uh, for a bunch of races because they happen halfway around the world, so they happen in the middle of the night. Um and DFS scoring is kind of terrible for F1. That yeah, I don't think DraftKings did a very good job with with the scoring. So if we you still want to play, that's like perfectly DFS fine. F1. What? Never mind. I'm I'm gonna keep watching F1. I'll watch the practices and certainly watch Drive to Survive that comes out on the uh, the 24th, so tomorrow. Um, but I'm not gonna have playbooks. So if you're wondering where those are, that's that. But the biggest thing is. NASCAR Cup, the the NASCAR podcast come out Saturday afternoons. So please keep listening. It's our way to improve the podcast, make it more functional, make it more knowledgeable, as opposed to us just talking about dudes who haven't been on track in the middle of the week. There you go. So moving from Wednesday to Saturday's NASCAR podcast with Matt Sells and Dan Malin. When it comes to F1, the only race I really care about is Monaco because you got all those great views, a great scenic kind of race. He's Ryan Hallam. Give him a follow on Twitter at Fighting Chance. Ooh, survivor draft season, baby. Starting up next week, Ryan Hallam. I got my first pick. I'm going to say it right here and then I'm going to end this. I picked Claire Rafson with my first round pick. She's taking it this year. I feel it. She's not too aggressive. She's knows she's going to know how to talk to people, bring people together. She seems to have some wits from the bio I read. 
You heard it here first, Ryan. He's Matt Sells. Give him a follow on Twitter at the Salesman. Get the free fantasy baseball draft guide at fantasyalarm.com slash MLB draft guide. I'm at Fenty Sports on Twitter. And as we always say, a family that sticks together wins together. <laughs>